It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, sports fans, and welcome to Saturday Sports Talk, brought to you by our friends at Illini Pella Windows and Doors in Champaign. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly with you until 11 o'clock this morning. We've got uh, the open line going off the top here. We've got uh, five, four or five guests lined up for you this morning. Mr. Tate is in the house. How you doing there, Coach? Yeah, I don't know where to start today. Basketball, baseball, football, you name it. There's Wrestling, there's volleyball. A, <laughs> there's a lot uh, going on. Big Ten basketball last night, number seven, Michigan over Purdue, 70-53. to 53. So the Wolverines are 8-1 and one in the league now, alone in first place. Purdue drops to 6-4. and four. You know, they almost didn't play that game because uh, if you remember uh, when uh, Purdue played an earlier game and they lost uh, Sasha Stefanovic, the, the sophomore mm-hmm. uh, three-point shooter from Crown Point, uh, they lost him to the virus, and I think there was some question whether they'd be able to go forward with the game. It, it ha- he was uh, he he uh, was announced as positive after the Ohio State game on Tuesday, and so there was some uncertainty about that. But they went through with the game, and and uh, Michigan motored down to uh, Purdue by bus, seventy fifty three, and Michigan's rolling, aren't they? They are. They're really good. Only one loss on the season, as I mentioned, eight and one. In Big Ten play now. Coming up today, no Illinois game, of course. The uh, game against Michigan State uh, was postponed earlier, and attempts to find a possible non-conference game didn't uh, work out. So the next game for the Illini, as we stand at the moment, is next Friday night at the State Farm Center. Iowa lost to Indiana the other night, and now their next game is the game at Illinois. They had a game scheduled against Nebraska for tomorrow that will not be played. Coming up today, Maryland is at Minnesota at 1 o'clock. Number 15, Ohio State at number 10, Wisconsin at 3. Northwestern at Penn State at 6 o'clock. Coming up tomorrow, Rutgers plays at Indiana. Volleyball last night, opening uh, the season, the Illini volleyball team in Iowa City against the Hawkeyes, and Illinois wins it 3-1. Uh, to one. They play again today at noon. Yeah, that uh, they have to come right back and play. They won in four sets, uh, 25-23 in the fourth, which is a, it's a good win, uh, and now they have to repeat it. And this is kind of new to me to see them playing back-to-back like this. It is. A quick scout, uh, you'll uh, have a, certainly have, a, have it fresh in your mind what it, how things went, what went right and such. But Illinois does win it over the Hawkeyes, and they'll go again today wrestling. Illinois up to uh, number seven in the country in the wrestling ratings, uh, beat number 13 Purdue 19 to 17, and Jim Heffernan's team is now 4-0 and on the season. Luke Luffman had the clinching win at heavyweight, a uh, 4-0 decision, and the Illini wrestlers are rolling, but, they're but, in the, but, but what's coming up? They're in Stevie? the Big Ten. You know how tough that is. They go to Iowa City next Sunday to wrestle the number one Hawkeyes and the number two Michigan Wolverines. 
on uh, the same afternoon. They'll wrestle Michigan first and then Iowa next week. But a great start for the Illini wrestling team after that win last night, 19-17 to over Purdue. High school sports, things are looking a little better. The uh, headline, Matt Daniels and Colin Likas and the folks in the uh, News Gazette, uh, the headline today on the sports page was Reason for Hope. And it looks like uh, things might uh, move along here. And we'll see some high school basketball and maybe some football as well. We'll talk more about that as we uh, get through the show this morning. Edgy Tim will join us to talk about uh, high school football. Joe Henriksen for uh, a high school basketball conversation. And I got one more basketball note that I think Illini fans will be interested in. Luke Goody, who plays over at Fort Wayne and for Homestead, had 41 points with 10 three-pointers in one game. Homestead beat Northside 107-61, to but uh, he's the only recruit right now that they have signed for next year, Steve. And he, that was a career-high 41 points in that game, and his team is still undefeated on the season. NFL playoffs coming up tomorrow. Tampa Bay at Green Bay at 2 o'clock. Buffalo at Kansas City at 540. Patrick Mahomes has been cleared to play in that game. Some Illinois football news. A couple of more transfers announced this week. One from Notre Dame, one from Alabama. Wide receiver from Notre Dame, Jafar Armstrong, will come to Illinois. He's 6'1", 220, originally from Missouri. He played in 12 games for the Irish, had three receptions, 38 yards. And Bama defensive back Eddie Smith announced that he is transferring to the U of I. He played in a couple of games for the Crimson Tide. And uh, Houston Griffin, Howard Griffith's son, who had announced that he was leaving Notre Dame, has decided he's going back to the Fighting Irish. Some baseball or some uh, football news there. So just, uh, just when they announced that they've got some sanctions coming, but the sanctions are <laughs> apparently not going to cost them postseason, so that won't matter to him. We'll talk Illinois football with uh, Martin O'Donnell coming up here in just a few minutes. Also with the uh, new receivers coach and former Illini receiver and kick return man, George McDonald. He'll join us at 10 o'clock. Sad news from the baseball world. Hank Aaron passed away yesterday at the age of 86. It's been a rough few months for Hall of Famers. Listen to this list of guys that have passed away just in the recent months. Lou Brock, Bob Gibson, Joe Morgan, Al Kaline, Don Sutton, Phil Necro, Whitey Ford, Tom Seaver, Tommy Lasorda. But Hank Aaron, I think uh, I can speak for you, although I, I don't know this for sure, but uh, I'm, I'm sure he's one of your favorite guys, as he was mine. Well, yeah, and, and I think there was always a lot of um, dispute among baseball people as to who was the greatest player, Willie Mays or Hank Aaron, but Hank had more durability, more staying power. He was a greater hitter through the 1960s than Willie Mays was, although Willie, I think, was a better player during the 50s. But both those guys played over 20 years, and so... You know, their their talent was just uh, unbelievable. Willie was, a, uh, I think, uh, he, he was more of a flashy guy, came up and, and a lot of stolen bases. And, and in, in the early years, Aaron didn't steal any bases. He right. just hit and, and went from there. But uh, Aaron just kept piling up the home runs. He never had a 51 home run season like Willie did one year, but he had a more of a – he just accumulated a lot he of He had a lot of 30 to 40 years. Yeah, 30 to 40 every year and, and – uh, all the way up to what, 755, isn't it? 755, and here, here's an interesting observation. He had 755 home runs. If he if you take that away and that he say he never hit a home run, he still had 3,000 hits. Yeah. 
and yeah. he hit uh, 305 for his career. So uh, certainly a sad loss for Major League Baseball. Phone line is open. Let's uh, go to the phones, and Alan is with us. Good morning, Alan. What's up? Yeah, baseball has been hit hard, real hard. Uh, sad to sad to see. I hear Willie Mays is not in the best of shape either. Uh, we are going to have a high school sports uh, final or basketball anyway. And what I'm understanding, our first uh, game is going to start around February the eighth. I don't know if you guys heard anything like that, but it's not official. But that's what I was told. They're going to try for February the eighth. Yeah, well, they have to have what ten days of practice before they can play, and that's that's a lot of practices. I mean, you know, I, I guess you need to have practice, but uh, they can't play until those practices are in. Yeah, and it's going to be a short season, probably about six weeks, and most likely they're only going to be allowed to play maybe twice a week at the most, maybe three. Uh, that's my guess. That's what they were going to do originally. What I'm wondering about is high school football. Are they going to try to play? Yeah, how's that going to work? I, we're wondering that, too. How's that going to work with uh, basketball? Because they're supposed to start football in the February, I think. Well, if you play basketball, you can't play football. If you play football, you can't play basketball. That's what it says. I mean, that's, obviously, it, is, it will be the case unless you want to try to play both. <laughs> I don't think that would be allowed. That would be kind of hard, Yeah. <laughs> Now, on the line I side, uh, I'm a little bit concerned. Uh, we played better the other night, but I'm a little bit concerned that Iowa's in a little bit of a slump. Uh, shooting's not been real good, and uh, his body language wasn't the greatest there night. It just seemed like he was not there. I don't know if you guys noticed that or not. Well, I, I didn't notice that he wasn't there. I thought he was there. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I saw uh, him I mean, out there. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I look, shooting comes and goes. If you're hot, you're not going to be hot forever. If you're cold, you're not going to be cold forever. You know that, Alan. You've seen yeah. players. I mean, you can't judge uh -huh. what's going to happen when you go out on the court, whether you're going to hit. Bohannon, well, was, Bohannon is a really good shooter. He was 0 for 9 the other night against Indiana. Yeah. 0 for 9, this is Bohannon. Now, was he, was he not trying? You think that he was shooting the ball and he didn't care? I mean, come on. You try to make every shot in your whole life, even in practice, and some of them don't go in. Well, I found out that's one way you beat Iowa. Shut out the Bohannon. Well, yeah, I shut out Bohannon, that's, that's and, and Wieskamp got hurt, didn't play in the second half. He had 15 points in the first half, then he got hurt in the second oh, half. It, it, make, it all makes a difference, but as far as shooting's concerned, don't tell me that a guy, you know, because he misses some shots in one game, has how that's going to affect the next game. It just doesn't. It does not. Well, Iowa hasn't been shooting good for the last three or four games. I mean, sure, he's making layups and he's driving hard, but his outside shot is not there. And he don't shoot very many threes. I think he's a good enough shooter to shoot more threes than he has been. And he, for whatever reason, he's not wanting to do that. Well, I bet he wants to do it if they leave him open. When, you, when you're guarded by one guy and shaded by another, when everybody's trying to force you not, you know, out on the floor, I mean, he's being guarded close. Yeah, how, many, how many times is he going to get open? If I'm playing well, against Iowa, what's my, what's my scouting report? They're triple-teaming Kofi and they're double-teaming Iowa. They're making the, the teams are making the rest of our guys 
shoot the ball is what it amounts to. Yeah, well, that's what you would do if you were an opposing coach. That, that would be your strategy. Hey, Alan, thanks. Appreciate it. Let's get a couple more calls in here before our first break. A couple of Eric's on the line. Let's go to Eric calling from Portland, Oregon. Good morning, Eric. Hey, guys. Um, I just had a short uh, story about Hank Aaron. Um, I don't know if you remember, but I think it was about 1974. He was on a Magnavox TV tour. And he came to uh, Champaign. I um, went to an event at the Magnavox TV store there at the corner of Kirby and Neal, across from where Mary Ann's is now. And uh, he was there and um, uh, signed baseballs. I remember him just being the most regal guy. And I still have that ball very treasured. Okay. I didn't remember that. I didn't realize I bet, yeah, Bo- yeah. I bet Bob Osmussen right, was right there. there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Bob at that time, but um, uh, the fun, uh, I sure do now. But uh, uh, anyway, I just uh, I don't know how many other times he was in Champaign-Urbana, but uh, he certainly was at that time at the Magnavox TV store there. That's pretty okay. cool. Hey, Eric, thanks. We appreciate you calling. Let's go to Eric in Champaign now. Good morning, Eric. Morning, guys. You know, I I keep thinking that with the way they're they're handling all this fire stuff, they they really got to get a better handle on it before the tournament comes around. Either cancel the conference tournaments and just take like you know your ten days off to stick them in a bubble somewhere. Uh, otherwise, this this is going to be a disaster come March because you know they're losing games left and right like every week now. As you can see, obviously. So I, I just wonder what your what your thoughts were on well, uh, my my thoughts are the same that. as yours. I th- I think they got yeah. a problem, but I I think they're going to try to go through with it and hope things work out. But if one team in, during the tournament gets the virus, it's fairly obvious to me they won't play and they just have to forfeit. Yeah, I mean that's, that's just not a good situation. I mean we're not just talking about the Big Ten either. We're talking right. about you know the whole the whole bang. Well, the timing of it, if it happened in the Big Ten, the timing of it would affect the NCAA tournament as well. And I think there will be some talk about possibly uh, postponing or or canceling the the Big Ten tournament. But I think they're going to play it. I think they intend to play it now. Now, that might change. Everything might change. But Mm -hmm. I I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to discuss it. Right. Yeah, the logistics of it, the timing of it is everything because they're they're putting in like these you know ten day or two, God knows how long many day windows where they're like not letting anybody play and you know and and for for the record are, are any of these players actually getting sick sick or are they just like just putting them aside just so they don't spread it? What's, there's a difference between we, the two. You we know don't I, you know, know I mean? of any players that have been sick. We just don't know of any. Now there there varying degrees of the of how sick you might be, but. Uh, we don't have any uh, any indication that anybody's been really really sick. That Except is player that Florida, is basketball players now, but we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Eric, appreciate it. Thank you. Let's uh, call on Bob in Urbana. Good morning, Bob. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, this is a question about Namari Burnett. Uh, is he still maybe actively searching for a new program? Yeah. Uh, are we in the loop there? Yes. And uh, I saw him a year ago. Uh, I think it's Centennial, and I went the second day that he was here with his team when Coleman Hawkins and he were playing in town, and I was totally mesmerized by his playing style, the control he had on the court, his shooting style, his arc on his shot, and all the details that make him probably a really good five-star player that just didn't have an opportunity at Texas Tech. So do you have any information on him at this point? Well, the answer to your two questions were yes and yes, that – 
he is still undecided, but Illinois is in the mix. They were supposed to have, and I don't know for sure that they did, but I assume they did have a Zoom call with him yesterday, uh, the Illinois coaching staff. So, yeah, they're very much in it, and uh, sounds like maybe he's not too far away from making uh, a decision. To my knowledge, he does not have any other Zoom uh, calls with other coaching staff scheduled at this time. Okay, that he's a a, a magnificent player. I I was mesmerized by his his skill and and just how he held himself on the court and his speed. He was he was in the IO speed type. I, when he ran down the court, he was really really quick, uh, almost like D Brown type quick. So. Uh, he's he's a good player, and I don't think he had an opportunity at Texas Tech, but maybe they were loaded as well. But I can see an opportunity for him. So thanks for taking my call. Okay, Bob, thank you. Yeah, I don't know any more about it than that either. Right. I think that Illinois definitely wants him. Yep. Nine seventeen. need to take our first break. Our first guest will be Martin O'Donnell. We'll talk some Illinois football with him. Also on the uh, scheduled guest list today, Tim O'Halloran, edgy Tim. We'll talk some high school uh, football with him. Paul Judson. Former Illini will join us at 9.45. George McDonald, the new uh, wide receivers coach for Illinois at 10 o'clock. And Joe Hendrickson from City Suburban Hoops Report at 10.30. All the way uh, along there, the line is open if you'd like to join us. We'll be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly with you until 11 o'clock this morning. Happy to have you with us. At 9.20, going to talk some Illinois football here in just a moment. One thing I wanted to mention uh, in that first segment where we got some calls, and Lauren wouldn't want me to lead the show with this particular news, <laughs> but uh, the U.S. Basketball Writers Association, every year at the Final Four, the NCAA Final Four, inducts a couple of writers, maybe a handful of writers, to their Hall of Fame, and Lauren... B. Tate is one of the uh, 2021 Hall of Fame class inductees. Congratulations. Made, made the list, Steve. If yeah, you hang the, around long enough, there's a <laughs> Lifetime Achievement Award out there yeah, for somebody. Yeah, I think it's more than that, but uh, <laughs> Malcolm Moran let you know that uh, earlier this week, a guy that we've had on the show many times over the years, and uh, that's quite an honor, and yeah, I he, tip my hat to you. Malcolm's on the committee, and, and I think maybe Bob Hamill and some people like that, and Dave Doerr, I see that he's on the on the list there, and so a lot of people that I know, and there have been uh, most of these uh, people that get nominated and, and selected are from three areas mostly. Uh, that's large cities, of course, uh, where have, they have big newspapers, and then the ACC has been kind of dominant in there, and then the, the guys that write in magazines and that sort of thing. And so I, I guess I've been up, I've been nominated a number of times. I'm told I've been nominated before, but I never was uh, never selected until this year. Well, that's one of those deals where you get a phone call and you don't know the number. You <laughs> you don't always answer, but you're pretty glad you answered that well, one. Well, I'm glad I answered that <laughs> one. Yeah, I was just sitting there like a bump on the log, and all of a sudden I'm talking to Malcolm. And he says, you're in. I said, oh, no kidding. I didn't even know I was up. I didn't even know I was being considered, but uh, it's 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 an honor, no question, and uh I really appreciate it. We're supposed to have a dinner, but they said that the dinner will probably be canceled because of the virus. Uh, dinner is usually held around the mm-hmm. Final Four. But he said that next year in New Orleans they're going to have it. And if I want to take the city of New Orleans down Giddy on, up. And, uh, and, and go to the Final Four down there, that I would be uh, 
honored then. So I don't know how that's going to work out in the long run. Well, speaking of honored, I'm honored to work with you. And <laughs> I, I'm sure that Martin O'Donnell is honored to, to be on the show with us uh, with one Hall of Famer and one guy that's just hanging around with the Hall of Famer. How you doing, Martin? I'm great. How you doing, Steve? Hey, congrats, Lauren. That's fantastic. Very thank, well deserved. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Go we ahead. Want, we wanted to catch up with Martin, of course, a radio analyst on the Fighting Illini Sports Network on our football broadcast to just kind of touch base with the, you, Martin, on the coaching change and the coaching staff as it comes together and the recruiting and such. So let's start with Brett Bielma. I don't think we, you and I have really talked much since uh, he was named about a month ago. A little bit of surprise, I think, uh, when the announcement was made, but uh, I don't know about you, but the more I think about it, the more I look into it, and the, the more the further along it goes down the road, I'm liking this higher, and I like the way things are looking. How do you feel as a former Illini athlete? No, I, I like it an awful lot, Steve. I think, uh, you know, obviously, you know, really kind of from the opening, uh, you know, press conference, and even, you know, when he was named, you know, have them hop right on, the, uh, you know, game day there. Um, I, I think it's great. I think it's great exposure for the program. And, and really, I've had the chance to be on a couple of Zooms uh, and with a large group kind of as a part of them. And you know, obviously, I've seen, you know, the, the introductory press conference and some other interviews and things that he's done. And, and I think it's just really impressive. I think he's a guy that wants to be at the University of Illinois. Uh, he's obviously, you know, led, uh, you know, Division One programs and kind of the, the two biggest conferences, I'd say, in, in the Big Ten and the SEC and, and certainly picked up a lot there. And then, you know, obviously things didn't go, you know, didn't go the way he wanted to go in Arkansas, but then goes and, you know, spends three years in the NFL, learns from, you know, Bill Belichick. And uh, I, I think, and I think that's what you see. I think that's what you see here, um, you know, over the past month or so is a guy who clearly had a plan and is executing on that plan. And, you know, I think the staff hires have been impressive. I think obviously you know, some of the early recruiting wins are great and, and, and none of those wins bigger than getting as many uh, guys as he uh, was able to, to, to come back from the 2020 team. So um, I, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, I'm just waiting for uh, I'm just waiting for spring ball now. The offensive line coach, Bart Miller, is a guy that we uh, had on the show as well after he was named. And uh, he reminded uh, Lauren and I a lot of, of you. He's about your age. I think you guys played in high school about the same time. I don't know if you ever played against him or not, but uh, he had Lauren and I ready to suit up and play. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good. Hey, I'll suit up and, and line up right next to you guys. Um, <laughs> Just so no, you don't I, line I, up opposite. I, like, <laughs> <laughs> I got your back, Lauren. I got your back. Um, but no, I, I, I think you know, obviously you know the, the the line coaches are are obviously huge hires, and to get uh, you know Bart Miller there on the offensive line, I think is great. And I think he and I are um, the same age, you know, same class coming out of high school. Didn't play against him, but you know, same kind of thing. You know, watched his introductory press conferences, and, and he really hit on a lot of things that. Um, you know, that I wanted to hear. I mean, that's what you want out of your offensive line coach um, is to kind of hear those things. And, and you got to have the right mentality uh, to play and, and to coach offensive line. And, you know, certainly it's a position that he's played at the college level um, and has certainly coached it, uh, you know, several different places. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to what he's going to be able to do, you know, with that group that's returning. And, and now, you know, the offensive line room with those guys coming back, I mean, they actually have a decent amount of depth for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I want to talk to you about that, Martin, that offensive line, because I would I would be honest with you, I was I was I had high expectations of them all coming back this past year. And then um uh, I would say I was mildly somewhat disappointed that they weren't more dominant. And yet it's you got four of the five starters coming back this year and, and, and as you said, they've got some players that played a lot this past year because of injuries and otherwise. 
Where, where do you think they stand going into this season with all this experience, incredible experience and age? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you, Lauren. I mean, obviously it was, you know, a position group that I really looked at to, to really, you know, lead the team. And, you know, it's 2020 is just so hard to get your arms around for a variety of reasons. You know, your second game of the year, and, and then, you know, Kendrick Green has to move over to center, and you're kind of shuffling the lineup around a little bit. But, you know, I, I expect them to be – uh, one of the best offensive line units in, in the conference, uh, if not the country. Again, if you're if you're one of the best offensive lines in the Big Ten, you're going to be one of the best offensive lines uh, in the country. So um, that, that's my expectation for this group. Obviously, they have you know several guys coming back, and then you have guys like Virtus Brown and Julian Pearl, uh, who got a ton of you know really valuable experience last year, and then you got a guy like Blake Gerasati who missed um, missed the season, but you know will certainly be in the mix um, here in 2021. So so my expectations for that group. Um, have not changed. And, and what accounts for, you know, the, the play last year? I mean, I, I have no idea. You know, I wasn't in that program. Um, but I, I think it's a group that I, again, am I, I'm looking to them to really um, help lead the team. And if you look across the line of scrimmage at the defensive line, you went from a situation of replacing every starter to basically getting every starter back. Um, and, again, you yeah. still have some depth there too. So it's that's kind of, you know, again, it really starts at the line of scrimmage. And, and again, that's obviously something that I like it when I hear, you know, Brett Bielema talk about that and the emphasis on that, because um, it's obviously true in the game of football. If, if possible, it's even more true in the Big Ten West, you know, just kind of given the DNA and the makeups um, of the programs in, in our division. So I'm really looking forward to, to watching them play. And, you know, and I think, you know, hopefully a guy like Bart Miller can just, you know, get this offensive line um, to be the best versions of the themselves and then get them to work together so I'm, I'm interested to see kind of what that looks like and obviously we don't know exactly what offense they're even running at this point um but i'll be uh i'm, I'm looking forward to watching it well you know I, i'm just happy that that they're enthusiastic particularly uh, Cruz and uh, kramer and Lowe have have now this would be their fifth year wouldn't it i mean they, they've actually been starting for four previous seasons and now mm-hmm. this is their fifth it just encourages me to know they want to play i mean it doesn't look to me yeah. like, and you know, uh, and you can speak to this that offensive line isn't necessarily the most fun place to play in football. You're in there hitting somebody hard on every single play, uh, and yet these guys want to be back, and I think that that says a lot just by itself. Well, I'm going to take offense to that. It is okay. the most fun position to play because you get to hit somebody every play, Lauren. That's, okay. that's what I like about it. Right? Okay. Um, but no, it, it's uh, but no, it's it's the kind of thing where you have guys who, you know, have the opportunity. You know, in Doug Kramer's case, I think this will be his sixth year because he redshirted. Um, but it's it's a lot of experience, and I think you have a bunch of. I didn't know how players were going to handle kind of getting the extra year of eligibility, but you know, the more I thought about it during the season. You know, it's obviously it, it's it was going to be the kind of thing where you know guys, it's not individual decision. Guys are going to make decisions kind of as like little groups. You know, in terms, hey, are you coming back? Are you coming back? And, and I think that's what it shows, not just in the offensive line group, but a lot of guys on this team that you know they were leading up to 2020. They were they all really felt that they had they're on the, the precipice of something special, and it didn't work out. And so they've given an opportunity uh, to go at it again. And you have a lot of guys that said, yeah, let's do it again. Let's do it again as a group. And so that to me is really encouraging. And again, I, there's a lot of credit to, to those young men, first and foremost, you know, for, you know, doing it, but also to, uh, to the coaching staff for you know, getting them to buy into, you know, the, the vision for where uh, they're going to take the program. I consider Green maybe the best player on this football team, certainly in my view, the best uh, 
pro prospect. What do you th- what do you think about his chances in the NFL? I think Kedrick Green is going to be a very good NFL player. You know, and and I have no idea, you know, where he winds up getting drafted, but I think he's going to I think there's still a track record even though we haven't put many guys in the NFL as as many as we want especially in the past couple of years. Illinois still produced some darn good interior offensive linemen. Ted Karras, Nick Allegretti. Uh, I mean, there, there's guys that have in Illinois traditionally been able to produce those guys, and I put Kendrick Green, um, you know, right up there with those guys. You know, I mean, he'll. I'm not sure, again, what he'll get drafted, but I, I thought he had a great year. Um, again, he was able to show versatility and being able to you – know, he can play any of the three interior offensive line positions. I think that's a crucial skill for him to have, you know, at the NFL level because they only keep, you know, maybe seven offensive linemen active on game day, maybe eight. I don't know how many exactly – um, but you got to be versatile. You can't just play one position. And, you know, I thought Kendrick had a great year. Uh, obviously, you know, physical, um, can move. Um, you didn't see him really blowing assignments or anything else like that. And, you know, again, an Illinois kid playing offensive line at the University of Illinois. Um, again, it's a really great success story. Another minute or two with Martin O'Donnell talking Illinois football. You mentioned uh, a couple of large-numbered Zoom meetings you had uh, that you were on with Brett Bielma and the former players, and over the past, uh, former players have not always been happy with uh, the way things have gone here on the football field. Maybe some never will be, but uh, what's what's your initial response and some of the guys that you've talked to about this hire? No, I mean, I, I think, you know, the, the guys that I've, you know, talked to and communicated with, I, I think everybody's excited. You know, it's, um, you know, unfortunately the program obviously isn't right now, um, you know, where we wanted it to be. And, you know, you had the 2019 bowl year. And so people were excited and thought 2020 was going to break through, you know, didn't happen. And so the, you know, communications, I've had, I think guys are, uh, they're excited. They're reengaged. Um, you know, there's always going to be, you know, former football players are just like any other segment of the population. There's going to be a, a segment of, of them that are never going to be happy, you know, one way or the other. Right. right? But, um, I haven't had a lot of direct communication with anybody like that. I think people are excited. And ultimately, they want the program to be successful. And, you know, for the guys that, that I played with, you know, we went through lean times, but then we also had, uh, you know, a tremendous amount of success. And um, I think that's ultimately what we all want for, you know, the guys that are part of the program is they put in so much work every single day that nobody sees. We More than anything, we, we want them to have success so that they can, uh, you know, so that they can have those, make those memories and, uh, and form those bonds. And obviously, you're going to form bonds, you know, either way. But, you know, when you have some really nice wins that, you know, you can talk about when you're old like me, um, <laughs> it, it makes it just a, a little bit more fun, a, a little bit more special. So um, I, I think everybody's excited, enthusiastic. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I think, you know, having guys get back around the program as much as possible is always a priority. Obviously, that's challenging, you know, during the pandemic. So, um, you know, I, I think they've done a decent job in terms of, you know, outreach so far. And I know, um, you know, Coach Bielema is reaching out to a lot of people across the state um, and across the country, which is uh, which is great. Good stuff, Martin. Always good to catch up with you. Lauren and I are getting tuned up for spring ball, too. We're ready. <laughs> good, good. Lauren, don't pull a hammy. Make sure you're <laughs> I'll try not. Thanks, Martin. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Take care. You bet. Martin O'Donnell with us at 933. We'll take a break and be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk coming up right here on News Talk 1400 DWS. 9.35, this is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly, and we're with you until the 11 o'clock hour on a, kind of a busy Saturday morning. Thanks to Martin O'Donnell, former Illini All-American and current member of our radio broadcast team, for spending a few minutes with us to uh, talk some Illinois football. We're going to keep the subject on football for the moment at least. Edgy Tim 
Tim O'Halloran is with us on the line. Good morning, Tim. How are you? Oh, sure. Make me follow Mark O'Donnell. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you always need a good uh, hitter in the number two slot, right? Yeah, I guess. I'm, I'm more of a power hitter, but that's okay. I'm going to two slot. Well, we'll, we'll keep that in mind uh, in uh, future lineups. But uh, some good news, maybe, I guess, kind of, <laughs> this week uh, for the <laughs> state high school football. Is there a better way to describe it than that? I don't know. Maybe there is. No. No, that was absolutely ideal. Um, completely came out of nowhere, honestly, guys. I, you know, I, there wasn't anyone out there that I know that's that's been involved in this that said, you know, IDPH is just going to all of a sudden completely change their guidelines, and all of a sudden we went from no hope to uh, having a pretty strong glimmer of hope for high school football to be played this spring. So it's uh, it was a good day. I think I put it on Twitter yesterday that until I see the ball actually being kicked off. I'm I'm gonna kind of retain my excitement until then, but uh, you know it's uh, guys, it's been brutal out here. Uh, you know, there's no other way to put it. Um, you know, kids have struggled with this. Coaches have struggled with this. Uh, there have been kids that have taken their own lives. There's been you know, and I talk to kids every single day, and um, it it's a toll. It, it has taken a toll that I don't think people realize. Um, so any chance we can get to get these kids back on the field and, and try to get some semblance of normalcy, which after all this, I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but um, I, I think it's really, really important. So yesterday was certainly a good day um, and hopefully more to follow. And how long would they need to practice Tim uh, before they could start a season of games? Uh, that is the million, million, multi-million dollar question. Um, you know, I've talked to coaches all over the state and, and guys, what, what, doesn't get kind of discussed during all this if you know if we had weight rooms open the entire time and kids were allowed to continue to work out and and be supervised and structured by their coaches that would be one thing (laughs) city of chicago hasn't you know the schools in the city have not been allowed inside a facility since march um so almost a year, and a lot of the suburban schools, and, and, and I know other schools across the state as well, it's been the same thing where they've been locked out of weight rooms. Um, you know, I, I've talked to kids in the city of Chicago that are literally doing push-ups and sit-ups, and that's great, but, um, you know, as far as being in football shape and ready to go, it's a real, real uh, kind of shaky subject right now that, that the coaches will be very honest with you Um I don't know how long it's going to take. So I think probably best case scenario, we're going to see this spring end up being maybe a, a bonus spring period, maybe where at least those seniors can get the last couple of games in. I don't know how good the football is going to be, but at this stage, something's obviously better than nothing, but it's a really good question a lot of coaches, that's a big, big concern on their part is, you know, you're going to throw us two weeks and try to have us ready. And, and that scares them a little bit. Well, you know, Edgy Tim, this is Lauren. I, there was talk in the Big Ten about that very same thing, and there were coaches that said you could be, you could do it in two. They wanted three, but uh, you know, I you can't hardly wait much more than two weeks if you're going to try to get it in this spring. I wouldn't think. What would you expect about a six-game schedule? Is that what you expect? Yeah, Lauren, that that that's kind of what's been been bantied about a six-seven-game schedule, no postseason. Um, 
you know, just basically getting some some work in and and, and getting get a handful of those games. And Lauren, I'm sure you're going to be right there with me on uh, February 15th when uh, we can go outside for the first day of practice. I assume, right? I'd love to. <laughs> It'd be nice and warm. By then, we'll get your we'll get your deep sea diving suit on. That's and, right. And, and everything else, and that's a whole other issue, guys. You know, there's reasons why we don't play football in February in the state of Illinois, and. I think we're going to discover those right away on February 15th if, in fact, that's the date they're able to return. Well, I, I would think that the games in March are, are all – I can remember trying to play some baseball in, in March, and you just – you know, <laughs> some days you can yeah. and some days you can't, but most times you cannot. It's just a, a bad time of year. But I guess the main thing is just to get some games in here and then try to get everything back to normalcy during the summer and fall, right? Yeah, I, I definitely think that's the plan. And, um, you know, and again, it's, it's, it's an absolute mess because you've got all these different seasons all going to be lumped together and, and try to be pulled off. And I think everyone wants to see it happen. But, you know, the reality is, yeah, it's, you know, and especially the, the smaller enrollment schools. I mean, you know, there is no way a lot of these schools would have been able to field a football team, a baseball team, and a basketball team all around the same time frame. So you, you've got you've to be able to separate these a little bit. So I, I think, like it or not, football is going to start in February and, and hopefully wrap up by, I don't know, maybe early April at the latest. And then hopefully some of these other sports will have a fighting chance of at least being able to field teams and say, both baseball as well as basketball. Got a couple of minutes with Edgy Tim O'Halloran. Let's uh... – Flip it in the, the, uh, over to, to Illinois football as it pertains to high school football as well. A lot of high school coaches certainly with a lot on their mind. And uh, the new coaching staff has now uh, been totally put together here at Illinois, led by Brett Bielma. From the guys that you've talked to perhaps in the last month or so, what's uh, the feeling on Brett Bielma as head coach and uh, the staff in general? Well, it's been good. Um, you know, I think, I, I think the key right now is, is in their eyes and the coach's eyes, a lot of the right moves have been made. Phone calls have been made. Um, I think Coach Bielema has said the right things. And, and, and I think the staff that he's assembled is uh, a very familiar one. I mean, it, it, Lauren, I'm sure you can relate, you both you guys can relate to this. When I start seeing kids that I used to cover on coaching staff, <laughs> right. <they're> old. <laughs> I'm so, seeing grandkids. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bart Miller, I remember at Elk Grove a player uh you know uh and and half this staff i certainly uh, recognize i know kevin kane just got hired i remember when he was at northern illinois george mcdonald same thing and, and he spent some time here which is a good thing that's what you wanted terrence jameson another kid i covered when he was at thornton um all very familiar names faint names that have consistently recruited the state of illinois and and, and i think that's you know, certainly one of the criticisms was the fact that, you know, we need to go after in-state recruiting more, and there's no better way to do it than have a staff full of guys that are going to be familiar when they're walking into different buildings, what, if and when they're allowed to actually get, get into buildings again. One last question from me, uh, Tim. Uh, if you were able to successfully recruit the state of Illinois, are there enough good players to make a difference in the Big Ten? Yeah, well, I tell you what, if, if I'm a head coach that's known for my running game and likes the smash mouth style, the next two recruiting classes in the state are right up his alley. Um, okay. there, is going, there is going to be a very good couple of classes of offensive linemen coming through starting in 2022 and 23. 
Um, you know, fortunately during this, I've been able to host a handful of camps. Um, so I've been, I've been able to get a pretty good eye and, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been an impressive line group. So, I mean, just that position alone, you're going to be able to stay in state and, and kind of get those bigger brawler types up front. So I, I think if you're an Illini fan and, you know, the history of Brett Bielema and, and you know, just kind of the identity of his teams have had, I, I think right now, the next couple of years, at least up front, are, are kind of, the moons are kind of aligning for him right now. Do you have any more camps on the schedule? No. Um, and again, we're, we're waiting for, you know, word from the IHSA, but trust me, guys, I'm more than happy to stand down and see some kids actually get out on the field and play. But, right. uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, like I said, the, the camps have been kind of felt like a bootlegger in the 20s on Monday when I had to move my camp to northwest Indiana. But, uh, you know, we were able to do it and do it safely. And, uh, you know, I think the kids just enjoy getting a chance to compete for sure. Edgy Tim O'Halloran, we appreciate your time as always. We'll stay in touch. Thank you. Take care, guys. You bet. It is 945. We'll take a break. Coming up after this timeout, we'll talk some Illinois basketball and some uh, – historic high school basketball with Paul Judson, one of the Judson twins of Illinois fame. That's coming up next here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on DWS. We're moving up on 948 here in the first hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. This is Steve Kelly and Lauren Tate, and we are with you until 11 o'clock today. Thanks to our first two guests, Martin O'Donnell and Edgy Tim O'Halloran, for uh, joining us. Going to go uh, back in the uh, wayback machine, I guess is one way to put it, and uh, talk some uh, historic Illinois high school basketball and U of I basketball as well. Paul Judson, a former Illini basketball player from uh, the early and mid-50s, is on the line with us. Uh, Paul, good morning. How are you, sir? Hi. Good morning. Doing fine up here in 13-degree weather. It's sunny. <laughs> It's not uh, much warmer here. We've got 17 down in uh, uh, Champaign County, but uh, good to hear you. And we wanted to talk to you a little bit about, it's always fun to talk about the the Hebron uh, Green Giants of 1952, the winners of the uh, state championship with that 35-1 and record. But uh, Lauren tells me that uh, earlier this week you lost one of, the, one of the key guys in the passing of Bill Schultz. Talk about that a little bit, if you would. Well, I tell you, we lost the key uh, puzzle. Uh, I mention it that way because uh, my older brother, Howie, uh, would coach us as 7th graders and 8th graders. And uh, several years ago, I said to my brother, I said, Howie, did you think we were going to be that good? And he said, oh, sure. He said, you're going to win a bundle of games, but you're not going to go anywhere because you don't have a center, don't have a big guy. Well, suddenly, boom, here comes Bill Schultz, 6'5", 6'6", as an 8th grader, and Hadn't seen a ball game, hadn't had to handle a basketball, and two years later he's standing in the middle of the gym tipping off for the state championship. <laughs> he was a piece of the puzzle we needed. He was uh, he uh, always contributed, uh, but there were two games that he really contributed in that meant uh, winning the state championship for us. Uh, one was in the Elgin Regional Finals at Elgin. Uh, he scored 23 points in a 49-47 victory for us. Uh, Phil scored, um, uh, Phil, Phil and I scored 13 apiece, and the other guys scored 13 apiece, but he got the rest of the basket, and 
we uh, we as we look in the past, that is a game that won the state championship for us. That was the toughest game we had, and uh, but he uh, he contributed uh, to to you know for being a big guy, they clamped down on them and leave us open a little more. So it was a kind of a back and forth affair that different teams applied to us. But we were very fortunate to have Bill come in as an eighth grader. I can remember seeing him in the hallway, and I said, holy cats. <laughs> I didn't know who he was at the time, but the coach got a hold of him as an eighth grader, and, and uh, his dad released him from doing his chores around the farm just so he could play ball. Uh, Paul, this is Lauren. Uh, did, now, was uh, Bill? Bill was a year behind you in school. Uh, did he come from a different town, or, or did just, or was he from the country? Well, he came from a different town, but it was a country town, Alden. I'm not sure, okay. incorporated or what it was, but he was in a one-room schoolhouse, and uh, he's our same age, I believe. But somewhere along the line, uh, his education got fouled up, and okay. he lost a year somewhere. But uh, he uh, he came to us. Uh, Hebron was looking to consolidate with somebody to keep Hebron Hebron, and uh, I don't know uh, this. They brought over, I think, with with uh, grade school kids, fifty or sixty kids that made it Hebron yet, and that's how we stayed as as a community. Well, that town sir recognizes your uh, championship. I guess it's still on the tower, huh? It's on the on the water tower in town, isn't it? The 1952 champions? Yep. Now, that water tower really speaks a lot. <laughs> people uh, run into people, and they, they, they said they're going up to... Uh, my last uh, time was in the, in, in the fall here. I had, to, had some dental work done, and I didn't have a dentist up here, so I, I called and got a hold of a dentist, and he was telling me, he well, you go... He asked me if I golfed and so forth, and said he goes uh, up to Lake Geneva and golfs. And I said, well, you go through Hebron? Oh, yeah. I said, well, what do you see when you go through Hebron? And he said, well, that big water tower. (laughs) I said, yeah. And then he looked at me and smiled, and he said, don't tell me. He says, you're one of the players. And that happens quite often, Lauren. By the way, how's Phil doing? He's up there in uh, Chicagoland with you, isn't he? Yes, he's up in the northeast corner, uh, up in by Gurney, and uh, he's he's doing fine. He he hasn't had done much refereeing. He's a, he he got about twenty five or thirty years as an official, mm-hmm. uh, but with the court with his virus, uh, uh, he's been out of work. Paul, I'm going to ask you something out of the blue here. When you were at the University of Illinois, was there a time? Was there a moment? In one of your seasons, maybe your junior or senior season, when Illinois was ranked number one by UPI in the nation. Yeah, we were as a junior. Okay, I I kind of knew that, but I don't think it's ever been maybe made public very much. But uh, this well, was, I, you know, I uh, when when Bruce Weber was down there, they were you know they had that fine team, and they were ranked number one. Mm-hmm. And uh, somewhere along the line, I had contact because they said. That was only the first time. Uh, I, I don't know if Harry had a team before that ranked number one, but anyway, uh, I contacted them and they said we don't consider the UPI <laughs> the, 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 the final say on that. It was the AP? We we were second, but uh, uh, the UPI did have us first. Yes. You remember when that was, or who you were playing, or wh- how you got knocked out of that? 
we, it was Christmas time, and we took a Christmas trip down to Texas and then went over to New Orleans and played uh, New Orleans of the South. We had played uh, uh, Rice in Houston, and then we traveled over to uh, New Orleans. And when we got off the plane, Lauren, they had um, papers there. They were selling papers. Their assistant coach got killed scouting us on the return trip. Oh, my. And so Illinois number one ranked team comes in to play them, and it was uh, it was a strange. Uh, it was str- we don't know what the Armory looks like in Champaign. That's what their arena looked like, and they ran the basketball cross court, so the people went way way back on both sides on both sides, and it was kind of strange. But we could not beat them. We we I think we lost by two points, but we, they certainly had the was the sixth man, would you say, was with him that night? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> okay. We're talking to Paul Judson for another couple of minutes. Back in 52, uh, when uh, Hebron had an enrollment of 98 and became the uh, smallest school to win the state championship, you beat Quincy in overtime 64-59 at Huff Hall. Your your team finished 35-1. and Who beat you that year, Paul? Uh, Crystal Lake. They, they were probably the best next best team in the county. And uh, they they had a real fine team. They had one guy score 34 points. Uh, my brother fouled out. Uh, Big Bill fouled out. And we we just did not have enough firepower after that to contend with them to win. <laughs> I, well, uh, you only used five players in the championship game against Quincy, didn't you? Yes. Never uh, substituted. You know, that's really about one of the things that Phil and I look at as the years have gone by. We didn't have anybody to practice against, Lord. <laughs> oh, boy. We had five guys. We had 15 people and the 15 ball players in the program, and 10 of them were on the other team. And so when we came to practice, we only had five, you know, practicing a press, practicing against a press. You know, you take the state championship team against freshmen, sophomores, some juniors, uh, there's not much competition. We said, how did we ever improve to win the state championship not having really much to practice against? Well, you know, uh, the one thing I come away with is if you were in a divisional situation, they play in divisions now, you know. If you had been at the smallest division, nobody would ever recognize Hebron for what they accomplished because you would have never played the top, other top teams, the big city teams. No, no, we uh... – Coach had difficulties getting teams to play as larger schools. We played uh, Elgin and Dundee and West Rockford our junior year, and they would not schedule him the following year. Hmm. Uh, I can recall there was we played at Barrington. Barrington had had uh, Hebron's old coach when Howie was in high school coaching them, so it was a big game between Hebron and Barrington, and they had won the North Suburban. Two years in a row, undefeated, and not, they were ranked about 12th in the state when we went over there. This was towards the end of our senior year, and uh, uh, we beat them by 44 points. Oh, my. And uh, the next day, that was a Tuesday game, and the next day our coach had our homeroom, and uh, my desk was right, right by him. He and I had a pretty pretty solid relationship. And he said, Paul, he said, Gene DeLacy from Dundee came in, and uh, congratulated me about our victory over Barrington. And he says, now you know why we didn't want to play you. 
<laughs> Visiting with Paul and, Judson. Uh, of course, we had the Judson twins and Bill Schultz. We mentioned that and uh, Bill passing away earlier this week. The other two uh, starters, Ken Spooner and Don Wilbrandt, are they still with us, Paul? Uh, Don had passed away, I would think, maybe 10 years ago. But Kenley is, is here up in Huntley. And Phil and I, I'm here in Dundee, and Phil is in Gurney. But uh, they're doing okay. We all have our health problems, but we're handling it the best we can, you know. Well, Paul, uh, tell me, did you have a, a car accident a few years back? I sure did, yeah. I I was very fortunate. I um, had a bad car accident in in uh, uh, Florida, in uh, Spring Hill, the town I live in, right on the Gulf. I live on the Gulf in a gated community, and uh, uh, I got sideswiped, and the doctor that, that uh, saved my life, as I told him, and he, and he did, uh, he said, if we had to fly you to Tampa, you would have never made it. You'd have bled to death. But wow. they had just opened up a big trauma center in the town of Spring Hill, and I was their first real trauma patient. So I got some extra good care, and, I was very fortunate to come out of I was in a coma for two weeks, and mm. you know, I could go on and on with the injuries, but it took me a good year to recover. And, um, and a lot of people prayed for me in Champaign. I know that. And up here in the northern part of the state, I was very lucky. Well, Paul, it's really great to hear from you. And, and uh, we started to hear about Bill Schultz, so you know what a good player he was and helped make uh, Hebron a historical uh, championship in 1952 that people still talk about yeah well i tell you we were lucky our our coach sent us down to champagne to watch the state tournament after our junior senior year the three of us don and phil and i were seniors and we watched it the first day and played saw him play all those first games yet after we won the state championship we played practice played games at illinois phil and i never once said look we were sitting up there way up there a year ago, and here we are at Huff Gym now. Things just happened, Lauren, yep. and uh, that's the way that things really worked out well for us. Couldn't well, have gone to a better school. Give our best to Phil when you see him, and, and, uh, and also Rob, and uh, we'll see yep. you again. Yeah, Rob, right. He, he did, it was really, uh, we had great careers at Illinois. Hey, Paul, thanks for your time. Uh, good to hear from you. Glad you're doing well. Paul Judson with us from uh, Northern Illinois right now, living in Florida full-time, as he mentioned. You know, the, their coach, uh, I read a story about uh, their uh, rise to the state championship at the beginning of the, the playoffs, the regionals or the district, whatever was first. He wrote the number 11 on the blackboard in That's the locker room. how many games they had to win? That's how many games they had to win. They'd be state champions. Come on. Yep. Not 11. That's what I read. I'll be darned. That sounds like an awful lot. It does. See, they had, they did have to go through district, or maybe maybe it was a point uh, late district, in the regional sectional, and then four games in yeah. the state. And it might have been. It could have could have been late in the season when they mm-hmm. realized they were pretty good, and he figured out how many games it would take. But whatever point it was, he just that's all he wrote was eleven. And they said, "What's this? That's how many games you need to win, well, and you'll be state champions." If you played one in, in a district, and two in the regional, and two in the sectional, and four in the state, that's eleven. Yep, there you I go. I figured that out. Yeah, that's quick quick math for, <laughs> for 
for a young man like yourself. 10 o'clock, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, the first hour of Illini Pella Saturday Actually, Sports Talk. that's nine. That's okay. There's, they found Excuse a couple me. other games in there. <laughs> okay, so you're not so good at math. Uh, no, I'm not so good at math. WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, will kick off hour number two and talk some more Illinois football with one of the new assistant coaches, George McDonald. That's coming up next. Stay with us. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Hour number two heading towards 11 o'clock here on News Talk 1400 DWS to talk some Illinois football again. We did that a little bit in the uh, first hour. We're going to do some more and welcome into the program former Illini wide receiver George McDonald, who was named this week as the uh, wide receiver coach under Brett Bielma at the U of I. George, good morning and uh, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. I'm sure you're excited to uh, return to your alma mater. Tell us a little bit uh, about how this this all came about uh, that uh, you and uh, Brett Bielma connected and uh, Hired you to the staff. Really excited. Well, he called me a little while um, after he got the job to see if I was interested because I'm here at NC State. And then him and Josh, you know, worked their magic to um, get me down there to look at all the new facilities and everything. And then, you know, once I stepped my foot back on campus, I just figured that was the place where I wanted to be and, and come back and, and help get the program where we all want. So it was, a, it was a pretty easy decision after that. What did you think of the uh, Smith football facility there? Huh? Pretty nice. Those are those are top notch. I've you know I've traveled around for my time in the NFL and then obviously being, being down here in the South. I haven't seen very many facilities that compare to that. I'm a, I'm gonna look forward to trying to recruit some players to come develop in it. Well, give us a little background on your your coaching stops over the years. I know you spent some time at NIU, but uh, get the folks updated on uh, where all you've been. Uh, so I started coaching at Northern Illinois University, and then I went to Stanford. I coached at Western Michigan, University of Minnesota. I spent two years in the NFL with the Cleveland Browns. Coached at the University of Miami. I actually was with Brown for two weeks in Arkansas, and then I went to um, Syracuse University as an offensive coordinator. And then after two years there, I came down here to NC State, where I've been. I just finished my sixth season. So uh, you've been offensive coordinator, uh, George. This, by the way, this is Lauren. Good to hear hear your voice again. Hey, Lauren, how are you? Good, good. Yeah. Uh, tell me about your uh, about the the last five six years that you know at, at North Carolina State. I mean, Coach Jordan has done a, an awesome job of, of developing this program. Uh, you know, we've had two nine win seasons. This season, we won eight. We've been able to develop a lot of you know really talented players. So. You know, a lot of the stuff that I've learned in terms of development and recruiting is, is a direct reflection of the time I've spent with Coach Dave Dorn. Okay, now, as you take over the, the, the wide receivers, I would say this is, this is a, uh, a kind of a thin position. Uh, we lost Smalling a year ago, and then we lost Joshua Mater Bay, Bay, Sydney, and Washington in recent days. Uh, how do you intend to build it up? The first thing we're going to do is we're going to develop great relationships with the guys in the room. You know, we're going to create a, a standard of work and a standard of excellence that we perform to every day. Then we're going to go out and recruit, you know, the type of players who want to come to the University of Illinois and help us win. You know, I took 
I think there's talent in that room. The, the biggest thing I've been trying to do the last couple of days is just connect with them on a on a personal level and get let them get to know me and my personality. Um, and then we're and then Coach B's been recruiting guys, so I, I feel really comfortable where we're at. I know there's always uh, time to go, but once we get our hands on them and we kind of get to see where we are and we get some recruits in, I think we'll be really fine. Can you talk about any of the recent uh, transfers out of the portal, like uh, Jamar uh, Armstrong, Jafar? No, I'm not allowed to come. Okay, come okay, I, th- I thought that was true. Well, tell us a little bit about Hightower and Navarro. What do you know about these guys? You know, I think they're productive players. I've watched a little bit before I came down. I saw the, the Wisconsin game and then a little in the Penn State game, so I'm just getting to know them. The one thing, you know, and I kind of went through this when, uh, you know, Lou Tepper recruited me and then Coach Turner came in. And I think the one thing that Coach Turner did a great job of is everybody started with a clean slate, and really what you showed, coach, you know, what you show the coaches from the day one they get there is, is how you uh, start your evaluation. So that's kind of my philosophy. You know, I'm going to show up. I'm going to get there tonight. Um, I believe we have a team meeting tomorrow, and and I'm just going to go from ground zero. They don't know me, and I don't know them, and we're just going to start working together and we're going to develop and, and get as good as we can get. Talking to Georgia McDonald, the uh, new wide receivers coach for the Fighting Illini, at what point, George, uh, as you remember back and look back on your career, at what point did you know that you wanted to be a, f- a football coach? Uh, probably my first year after graduation in 99. I worked in uh, consumer lending, sitting at a desk all day, and I was like, this isn't it. So I went back to grad school at Ball State um, with Coach Lynch, Bill Lynch, and then, and then ever since then, I've just been on the on the coaching cycle. So um, I always knew I wanted to give back to kids in some way, in some fashion. And the Lord just led me to coaching, and, you know, he's been guiding me this whole way. You had some experience, obviously, recruiting the state of Illinois when you were at uh, Northern. Uh, did that carry on in uh, some of the, your other stops? Uh, you, you feel comfortable recruiting the state of Illinois? Yes. You know, at, at Northern Illinois, obviously, we, we recruited the state heavily. And then also when I was at the University of Minnesota, we recruited the, um, the Chicago Public League and, and, and the state of Illinois. And then pretty much everywhere I've been, whether it's been, you know, we have some kids from Illinois at, uh, at Syracuse. We have some kids from Illinois at North Carolina State. So, you know, Illinois is a, is a really good state for football. So, you know, there's tons of players there. And the biggest thing about me recruiting is if, if there's a player wherever he's at, I'm going to go try to develop a relationship and bring him to the school that I'm working for. So don't be surprised if you see some guys coming from Alaska. <laughs> George McDonald is with us. He graduated from the U of I in 1999. Uh, and as your coaching career got going and progressed, was it ever in the back of your mind maybe to, uh, to come back and serve on a staff here at the U of I? You know, I told Josh that, you know, once I got into coaching, you know, I've always thought about coming back to the University of Illinois and being part of a, a coaching staff that, that helped them win a championship. You know, I think you might remember, um, I believe, I can't, I think it was Northern Illinois. We played the University of Illinois when, uh, when Coach Turner was there. Right. Northern or Western Michigan. Uh, but, you know, that was a great experience. So I've always in my in my mind thought about, you know, I never knew it would be possible, but I always thought what it would be like to be able to come back and give student athletes, you know, what all the coaches I put in to me, you know, from, from Lou Pepper to Greg McMahon, you know, to Ron Turner to Buddy Tevens and, and all the coaches in between, you know, they've really helped me become the person I am and, and even people, I, my teammates. But, so that's what the one thing that I'm looking forward to is getting there and sharing some of my experiences that I've had 
as a University of Illinois um, student athlete, and then just what the benefit is of going to a school like that and the connections that you'll have for the rest of your life. Okay, George, now brace yourself. I'm going to take you back through those years when you were to the last two years of Tepper and the first two years of Turner. You know, you had an 18-game losing streak during that stretch. Uh, Turner didn't win a game his first year. What was that like for you as a player? I mean, nobody likes to lose, you know what I mean? And I think I think the thing that, that stands out to me, not the wins and losses, but the players. You know, I, we had Simeon Rice, Kevin Hardy, Robert Holcomb, mm-hmm. you know, Scott Turner. We, we had some amazing players, Dana Howard, um, John Holasek. Like, all those guys, that's what I remember. I remember, you know, going out, going to battle with those guys, the camaraderie we had. And then when Coach Turner came in, you know, I, I just saw him building the program and, and recruiting, you know, high-level players like Kirk Kidner, you know, they had the, the Brandon Lloyd and all those great receivers. And then the year after I left, they really took off and, and had a nice run. Yeah. You know, I think that's what Coach B is going to do. So you're coming in, you know, really on a blank slate. You recruit a lot of players who believe in what the University of Illinois has and, and what Coach B is going to develop. And, and, I, and I'm pretty confident, you know, we're going to get it going and we're going to be able to sustain success with, with uh, Coach B and leadership. What was Were you with Robert Hol- Holcomb uh, some of those years? Yeah, me and Robert were in the same class. He was my roommate. Well, I was going to say, he wasn't he a horse? <laughs> what kind of a runner was oh, he? Yeah. yeah, he was a great player. He's still a great friend. And that's the thing that, you know, that I'm really excited about is, is the record's the record, but I know with Coach Bilma's track record of developing players and winning games and with the staff that he's developed and, and hired that can recruit to, the, to a great university with great facilities, you know, I mean, I think, I think we're going to be really proud of the program that we're going to develop and build, um, and it's going to take all of us. It's going to take the state coaches. It's going to take everybody. But I, I am super excited to, to start recruiting and start coaching the guys that we have um, to put a product on the field that, that's really going to be, be a special product. George, tell us a little bit about your family. I'm um, Barry to Heather, formerly Heather Anderson. We met at the University uh, Minnesota University. We have two kids. Um, my, my oldest, if I can say that, he's five years old, Roman. And then my youngest is 11 months. He'll be actually one next next month. Uh, so got a, got a, a, an excited group ready to get down the champagne and, you know, embrace the, the wide receivers and embrace the team and make candy bags before the game. So so we're really excited to get, get down there and get going. Well, we appreciate your time. Good to talk to you again. Uh, both of us were on the beat when you played here, and uh, good to have you back. It's great to be back. Thanks, George. George McDonald is the new receivers coach. As I mentioned, he's a 1999 grad. You folks that remember players in their uniform numbers, he wore number six. He was a good uh, kick return guy. Led the Big Ten, I think, one year in kickoff return yardage. Yep. Yep. You know, the kickoff, I was going to ask him about this, and I'll do it at some point. Uh, the kickoff return is not what it used to be, is it? Not when they kick it out of, out of the end zone practically three-fourths of the time. Yeah, but it's that way it... And you know you get it on the twenty-five, so it, right. it, it makes sense to, to to even call a fair catch on a ball that's short of the end zo- of the end zone because you can always get it on the twenty-five yard line. And you almost never see one in the NFL anymore. Used to start from the twenty. Yeah, it is a ten fifteen. We'll take a break. We've got an open line segment scheduled uh, with you uh, if you'd like to join us between now and ten thirty. Coming up at ten thirty, Joe Henriksen will talk some high school hoops with us. On Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, we're back after this. 10-17, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with 
Hall of Famer Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly, and we're with you until 11 o'clock. Phone line is open, 356-9397. Let's go to the phones. Steve is with us from Princeton. Hey, Steve. Hey, good morning, guys. But I'm going to explain to you how that number 11 that Paul Judson was talking about came about because I played in the district, and there were eight teams in a district, and you had to win three games to win the district. Wow. If you won the district. And if you won the district, you got to go to the regional. And there were two games in the regional. And then if you won the regional, you went to the sectional. And there were two games in the sectional. And then you got to go to Huff Gym. Okay. So that was the 11 games. Okay. <laughs> they add up. Thank you. But, but that was a good time. But there were always eight teams. In the, and I'm not sure where the cutoff was enrollment-wise. Maybe 200, 250, something like that. I don't know if Monticello played in the district or not, Lauren. You would know that. No, we. I don't think we ever played. I. I don't remember playing in the district, but you know my memory's not that good. I. I just. I, all I remember is the regional at Champaign. Maybe we had to play in a district game to get there. I don't remember. I don't because think if so. Your enrollment was too high. You started in the regional. You didn't have to go through the district. Okay. Okay. Big enough that they didn't have to play in a district at that time. Okay. Anything else, Steve? Well, the other thing, going back with Henry and Aaron passing away, I was thinking back to my Little League days, and I was kind of smaller, and they had different sized bats, and they went by length, but some of the bats were maybe 30-inch, 31, but they were too heavy for me. I couldn't swing them. But I always used the 28-inch, and they had Louisville Slugger on it, and Henry Aaron's name was engraved in on the bat, but... That was the bat I always used, the 28-inch Henry Aaron bat. Okay. You still have that? I think it got broke or something. I hit a ball <laughs> and sheared off in my hands, and I don't know where it went from there. But that was my memory of Aaron Aaron. I always had to have his bat. Good stuff, Steve. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Let's go to Carl in Champaign. Good morning, Carl. Yeah, congratulations, Lauren, on the Hall of Fame. Thank you. And uh, so – I can't help thinking with the uh, Major League Baseball taking on the statistics of the old Negro League uh, that will be added into the major leagues. It's possible with Henry Aaron have played for the Indianapolis Clowns for three months, he could have be on top as the all-time home run leader again. Oh, really? Because all he needs is to find eight home runs from when he played for the Clowns. Huh. Okay. You know, he never really, this is an individual thing, and you feel how you feel, but he never left the uh, the home run king title in my mind. I, I always refer to him as the, the all-time great home run hitter. But that's just me. Yeah, I, I consider him the greatest hitter of all time, but that's, that's me. Was it George, Mc, I was thinking George McDonald came in with Robert Holcomb among the five running backs, and then he would switch to wide receiver. Oh, is that right? Do you guys remember that? Yeah, I do. I, I do think you're right there. And he was George McDonald Ashford at, at that time. And um, well, he went to wide yeah. receiver, and then, then we remember him. I think I remembered him most as a kick return guy. Yeah, okay. I, I thought that was correct, but anyway, thanks for confirming it. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks, Carl. We appreciate it. Three five six nine three nine seven is the number if you want to jump in here in the 
next few minutes. If you missed some of the headlines, uh, number seven, Michigan beat Purdue last night in Big Ten basketball, 70-53. to So the Wolverines are 8-1 and one in Big Ten play, still got a one-game lead for first place. Illinois is two games back at 6-3. and three. Purdue falls to 6-4. and four. Three games today, Maryland at Minnesota, Ohio State at Wisconsin, Northwestern at Penn State. Volleyball plays again today. You'll be able to hear that right here at noon on DWS at Iowa after beating the Hawkeyes 3-1 to one to open the season yesterday. Three uh, matches to one there. And uh, wrestling last night, it was number seven, Illinois over Purdue, 19-17. to 17. So the Illinois wrestling team is 4-0 and o on the start. And if you're wondering what the Hall of Fame talk is, it's from the U.S. Basketball Writers Association has nominated Lauren Tate to be in the 2021 class. Back to the phones and Marty with us from Pinehurst, North Carolina. Hello, Marty. Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. Morning. The Canadian high pressures come down here too, so it's kind of a cool golf day. Okay. Uh, hey, uh, Lauren, did you didn't you come back to the News Gazette around 1966? Uh, no, I came to the News Gazette in '66. I came back to the News Gazette in 1970. Okay, but where I'm coming from with this, I was that's the time I was about 10 years old and started really reading the sports page in 66. And uh, I can't think of anyone who more richly deserves an award than you do. Uh, <laughs> having, I'm, I'm serious because you, you've taken as much grief as most coaches do. Whatever you write, somebody's going to be mad at you. And uh, you've had some insights that, uh, you know, I think I think about a lot of things, but you go a little deeper than I do from time to time. And uh, I've been impressed over the years. I'm happy for you. I just wish it would have happened sooner. You well, I tell you what, I'm, I'm happy it happened now. <laughs> and and right. I will tell you that when I look at the list of people that are on there, there are a lot of people who deserved it way before me, and I'm just happy to be in the same gang with them. I'm just catching up. Good. Good. I'm happy for you. And now that you have this behind your, your – uh, your name, maybe you can get a hold of Mosaic with the Cardinals and get something done now that you have a little more clout, okay? you got to quit worrying about the Cardinals and they're not worrying enough about themselves. I figure when they, I get, when they get serious about Moline and Wainwright, I'll get serious about the Cardinals. How about that? Good good thinking because this division is there for the taking. It as sure all is. Teams are, are dumping. So all you need is a couple pieces and you can win this thing. i tell anyway. you one thing. The Cubs uh, have really uh, indicated – that they're building for the future and they're sure cutting back on the, you know, now we saw Lester gone. We've seen uh, yep. Darvish gone. I mean, Schwarber. You know, yeah, yep. it's, uh, it's amazing what's happening. And, and now Mora. it's all because yeah. of the, it's all because of the virus. So when, when Lauren talks to uh, the Cardinal administration, what yep. deals would you like him, Marty, to, <laughs> to make? Actually, uh, I, I'm a simple man. Uh, I think Jock Peterson, left-handed bat, good on base, high slugging percentage for the outfield, good defensive outfielder. Um, I'd like to bring Wong back on a favorable contract because he's not getting any big offers. Um, I, I think just those two pieces plus plus a bullpen piece that's probably out there is, is all I'm worried about right now. I think they have enough, I hate to say this, never have enough starting pitching, but they have a lot of good young arms. I don't think they need much. They just need a couple little pieces. Now, me, in my world of worlds, I would trade Harrison Bader to the Mets because they need a center fielder for either Dominic Smith or, or uh, Nemo. Either one, I'd, 
I'd take one of those outfielders that they got a surplus of because they need a center fielder. I'd do that in a heartbeat. So if Lauren can work that deal, I'm all for it. Throw, we'll throw in a minor league pitcher with that, you know, just to make it seem better. Well, he was taking notes over here so <laughs> as you spoke, so we'll, we'll get right I, on that. I do. They, they need a left-handed bat with outfield with some pop, and uh, it wouldn't hurt to get rid of one of the right-handers that can't hit a slider. My you ain't kidding. Yeah, that's my opinion, but uh, hey, they're not listening to me. Anyway, Lauren, I, I'm happy for you. I really am. Well, thank you. Appreciate that, and, Marty. Uh, for the Sage of Sages. You guys take care. Yep, thanks for the call, Marty. 356-9397 is the number if you want to jump in here. You know, you, a little bit ago, Lauren, you said your memory's not as good as it used to be. I beg to differ with that. Oh, man. that's not you, may, you may realize, you, you may think you've forgotten more stuff than the if you have, you've forgotten more stuff than most people know. So Well, I forgot an awful lot that I knew. <laughs> <laughs> when you can't figure out, when you can't remember whether you played in the district or not, I don't have any idea. Well, I yeah, but the important stuff, you've got all the uh, the historic stuff, especially on U of I sports. Let's go to Jim, who's in his car somewhere on I-74. Hey, Jim. Hey, guys. It was great hearing uh, Paul Justin talk. And yeah. here's a thing I heard. I don't know if it's an urban legend or not. But the the movie Hoosiers, right? The, the Gene Hackman movie, Dennis mm-hmm. Hopper. Yeah. Supposedly, that is more loosely based on Hebron than it is on uh, Milan, Indiana. And there's a story. Cause the Milan story is is 1954, and the Hickory High story, which is a fictional town was 1952, if you watch the movie. And supposedly, the producer of that movie, or the director, came up with the name Hickory through the name Hebron. Mm-hmm. And other than the shot that, well, Bobby Plump made, or Jimmy Chitwood in the movie, that story supposedly more resembles Hebron than it does uh, Milan, Indiana. Yeah, that's, I'd heard that, that too, yeah. Urban, mm-hmm. That's one of the urban legends. And by the way, if you've never had a chance to visit that Hoosier gym, it's located in Knightstown, Indiana, off of, uh, I think it's right off Interstate 70. I went there a couple of summers ago, and it's worth the trip. And the funny story, Knightstown is like a town of 2,600. And I went in there, and I had a an, a, an Illini basketball throwback jersey on, and it... And that guy drove by me, and uh, he uh, said he rolled down his window, and he said, hey, you know, the flying Atlanta, they were overrated or whatever. So, you know, a small little town. I thought it was interesting, you know, basketball fans. But it's worth a trip if you ever want to go make a trip out there. You can shoot baskets in that gym or whatever. So, mm-hmm. anyway, Illinois basketball is still better than Indiana basketball, in my opinion. Have a good ga- good day, guys. Yeah, Jim, All thanks right. for the call. We appreciate it as we – Approach the bottom of the hour, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. We'll take a timeout and be back and talk some more high school basketball with Joe Henriksen from the City Suburban Hoops Report. And uh, that's coming up next. Stay with us. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11. We got started at 9. We're rolling along now. 356-9397 is the number, Lawrence 8, and uh, yours truly, Steve Kelly, with you. Let's uh, talk some more basketball. We've been bouncing back and forth between 
football and basketball, high school and college. Let's go back to basketball now. Joe Hendrickson from the City Suburban Hoops Report, Chicago Sun-Times, is with us this morning. Good morning, Joe. How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? Good. Are you getting excited? Uh, are we getting any closer to having uh, high school basketball in the state of Illinois? Uh, I uh, you talked to me 48 hours ago. I would have said no. Uh, but yesterday with some new developments with the Illinois Health Department and, and uh, government agencies that there is a glimmer of hope. Uh, for the first, really the most positive hope we've seen um, in some time. Um, we'll see how this materializes. They are going to get together next Wednesday, the IHSA, and hopefully a new sports, high school sports schedule for the remaining sports are um, yeah, put together and released. Uh, and to see how that looks like, where that you know, I've heard all kinds of rumors of of of, of a start date for basketball. Uh, the potential of you know, the, the question is, is it going to be somewhat sooner than later, immediate, uh, where practice gets going, or is it going to be pushed into you know the spring months uh, with a starting point of what that would look like? I don't know, March, April, I don't know. But and then there's all kinds of <laughs> future conflicts with that. Um, come into play with AAU scheduling in the spring, which that's up in the air. So there's a lot, a lot to be figured out and sorted. But, you know, today is a much better day for high school athletes and high school basketball players in particular, as we talk, than it was just two days ago. Some of those conflicts might include, I guess, uh, the, the playing of high school football, which could over, overlap with basketball, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's what the scheduling uh, process will, will be. You know, technically football, I believe, was supposed to start middle of February, Valentine's about. Um, I, it, it, again, I I don't know what they'll do with the scheduling. I, I always felt like at some point as the, as the window closed that it would just create the problems of scheduling because and, – and, and just nothing you can do about it where, okay, here's your season, here's your six weeks, or here's your seven weeks. If it overlaps, it overlaps. If it conflicts with AAU, it conflicts with AAU. You just make the most of it the best, best you can do with that a lot of time that you have. Uh, and, and, and I think that may still – I mean, you, you're looking you – we've got a small window now, right? So uh, we're looking at, you know, February, March, April, May, and, and now some of those – those sports already were extended into like some of the sports like tennis and baseball and they play all the way to like June 25th right now on the current sports calendar for the IHSA. So uh, if, will they continue that window? I mean, is that going to be all part of it as well? So there's a lot to figure out between now and Wednesday. I would anticipate Wednesday release of, of what it would look like. We'll, we'll bring some clarity and some answers to that. Hey Joe, this is Lauren. Uh, what can you tell us about the number of players and or teams that have snuck over into Hammond, Indiana, or parts of Indiana to play basketball from the state of Illinois? Uh, there, it's it's happening a ton uh, in Hammond, Indiana. Um, you know, every weekend there are players over there. Uh, you know, some of them are loosely affiliated without their high school name um, attached to it. Um, it, it's, uh, you know, Lauren, the, the, the thing, you know, with my city suburban hoops report, 
Now, yes, I, I follow high school basketball religiously, but it's also an evaluation service for, for players. And, you know, with 100 and some Division One schools to subscribe, so my, my job, obviously, is to evaluate. And all I can say is not only has there been fewer evaluations, obviously, from, well, in the last 12 months, but the evaluations you do, sadly, are really bad. Uh, the basketball is terrible. Uh, the players just aren't in the frame of mind of that repetitive competitiveness that they've had, whether it be going from the high school season to AAU and then back to your June high school, you ramp it back up again, and then your July AAU, and then you rev it back up in November with the high school season. All that's been lost. And so the, the competitiveness isn't there. The play is sloppy. It's almost as if when you're evaluating right now, you're doing a disservice by making an evaluation based on what you're watching. Yeah. And, and that's just another problem with what we're facing. You know, it's just a huge issue and, and it's hard because you see, you know, if you do this for 25 years, as I've done, you see this growth, you know, particularly of the sophomores and juniors into that next class from the end of their high school season till the beginning of the next one. I mean, that's a huge step they take. And we aren't able to see that, uh, both college coaches or talent evaluators. And, and it's, it's such a detriment to, you know, the, both the development of the player as well as the evaluation process. There's going to be huge mistakes made uh, in recruiting right now. But the other problem, again, it leads to is college. I have 20 years I've been doing this. And from October till this point right now, it is the quietest my phone has ever been oh. in 20 years among college coaches because well, they are just not focused on – and a lot of people think it's because they haven't seen them, but a lot of it is because of the rule changes, the, the extra year of eligibility granted to every player as well as this new transfer rule. We were seeing 800, 1,200 transfers, 1,400 transfers uh, in the off season the last two years. I expect it to be 1,800 over 2,000 transfers um, going forward with this. We can just leave and no penalty. Well, when they when they go over to uh, Indiana to play a game, do they have officials or this just pick up game? And what? Yeah, what's no, the organizational it's, it's, part it, it, of it? It, it it's, it's it's loosely organized, but I mean it's you know I've watched more so online. There's some online stuff. Uh, I mean it it looks like for lack of a better ragtag. <laughs> pick up basketball with officials um mm-hmm. you know i mean I, it, it's just you know it's just not uh, the quality is just is not real good i mean it, it's good that they're getting out and playing they're getting out and running and moving and, and but i mean there's just so much being lost um that, that it's hard to quantify how big of a of a impact it's going to have on again on the player development uh, as well as the recruiting, because everybody keeps talking about the twenty class of twenty twenty one being shortchanged, uh, and and that's true. This is the fewest amount of players who have signed out of Illinois for mm. Division One, Division One, in twenty five years at this point. There were in the teens. Um, there's at least in a normal year. At least I look at my list of players. At least eight, nine, ten, maybe a dozen players. Who would be getting Division One sniffs uh, and would ultimately sign with Division One schools that just aren't because of those things, the aforementioned things I've mentioned, where colleges aren't really steadfastly recruiting these kids as well as they haven't been seen. So 
that combination of that has led to that. But I'm afraid it's going to extend into 2022 as well, uh, where they are going to be a little bit shortchanged as well in this process. Talking to Joe Hendrickson, City Suburban Hoops Report. You mentioned transfers. One of those is Namari Burnett, who is transferring from Texas Tech and talking uh, to, among others perhaps, but certainly talking to Illinois. Tell us uh, what you hear about him, and, and when you did evaluate him, what kind of player is he? Yeah, he started out at Morgan Park and, and, and played in the city and played with a Mac Urban Fire. And so, I mean, he was a, he was a star right away. Uh, he made a big impact uh, as a freshman. Uh, he obviously left to go to California um, following his freshman year. And I did see him AAU in the off seasons uh, in the years leaving after he leaving Chicago. He, he's a, he's a guard with good size and he's a, he's a natural scorer. He's a bucket getter. Um, he can play he's versatile and he can play a little bit of the one, two and the three. Uh, he's not overly athletic. He's not, you know, he's not, you know, he, he, he's just a, a, a score and, He's got a good feel for the game. You know, he's again. You look at what Illinois needs. I mean, I, I, Illinois needs more perimeter scoring options. You know, they they just need more of a diverse score. You know, Adam Miller is is right now playing a little bit of role of a one dimensional score. Is just pretty much a perimeter perimeter shooter who can stretch a defense. Um, you know, and and. Burnett would just offer a lot of what they don't have, to be honest. Well, uh, is uh, is Burnett? What would you say happened at Texas Tech that he would leave there after one year? I mean, this is a guy that I, I asked the question in this context. I mean, we see great players go to Kentucky and they're not winning. We see great high school players go to Duke and they're not winning this year. Is he? Does he fall in that category of a, of a guy that just hasn't met his potential? Well, Lauren, I just think it's the culture we see today compared to even five, six years ago, ten years ago for sure. Guys are up and leaving quicker than ever before, and now that they know they don't have to sit, we're going to see it even more. I mean, it's not – you know, this is a five, you know, a four- or five-star kid who was playing 17, 18 minutes a game, and I'm not putting words in his mouth and, and, the, and his people's mouths, but um, – you know, in the recruiting process, if you don't think things are in, in certain programs are promised to kids, promised to families, uh, you're kidding yourself. I mean, there's there's a lot of programs that promise things, and and you know whether that was the case. You know, 17 minutes might sound good to one person uh, as a freshman playing for a ranked team. To me, sounds pretty good. And but the old wait things out, let's develop, let's get better. Um, you know, those days are, it's why coaching's become so hard, both in recruiting and keeping a roster together because, uh, the immediate, the immediate need to play and the immediate need for success, uh, particularly with high profile kids, it doesn't happen. I think it takes a pretty good soldier and a really good kid with, with a lot of strong values and character to wait that thing out, play it, play the process out. Uh, and develop as a player. And, again, I'm not specifically saying this is the case, but more or less when you see things like this happen across the country, that is why. I mean, it's just plain and simple. Um, You know, that recruiting process I think is going to be pretty wide. It's a big net right now, I think. Illinois has got some ties with 
um, you know, with, with, with having played where Coleman Hawkins was, having been in Chicago, having a relationship with Matt Irvin Fire and, and, and Morgan Park. So, I mean, there's a lot of obvious ties um, that that would lend Illinois to being right there in the mix. But I, I just expect talking to actually a couple of schools that are involved, um, they don't expect anything in the immediate future to be happening. Well, let's go with this. Your thoughts on Illinois as it stands right now, 6-3 and three in the Big Ten, 10-5 and five overall, heading into the uh, second half now of the Big Ten conference season with Iowa up next. Are the Illini about where you thought they would be at this point? Uh, actually, yeah, I think they are. I mean, I know some people are a little, you know, hesitant with, with, with the direction just in terms of, you know, some of the one, wins and losses lately. Um, you know, I, I, I think some of the weaknesses I saw uh, are, are still apparent. You know, in particular, I talked about that perimeter scoring. They, they just don't have those guys that you see in certain top-level teams on the perimeter. I mean, Iowa's great in transition, and he's an All-American candidate. I get that. But, I mean, I'm talking about that type of athlete that just go get yourself a bucket. If you look at their overall team, they just aren't real athletic um, from top to bottom on that roster. And, you know, Adam Miller has provided some shooting for them, um, but he, he's just not that all-around scorer or contributor that you, you kind of hope for. Uh, you know he doesn't he doesn't get your rebounds he doesn't get you assists he doesn't get you steals he does, you know I, but he, he they did need a shooter and, and he has provided that uh, as a big body guard uh, you know I, I, their depth is, was always going to be a concern for me uh, going into the season I still think that's a little bit of the case uh, so yeah I mean I, they're they're a very good team they're a top twenty five team they're about where I you know where I thought they would be. Hey, Joe, we appreciate your time, as always. Thanks for taking time with us, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Hey, I appreciate you guys anytime. Thanks, Thanks Joe. Joe Hendrickson, City Suburban Hoops Report, Chicago Sun-Times, at 1046 on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. And the folks at Illini Pella want to help you find the perfect window or door for your home. Whether you're looking for new or replacement windows or doors, visit the showroom 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign and see their products in person. That really helps. Discover the beauty of wood windows, the ease of the between-the-glass blinds, or the durability of fiberglass entry doors. Pella is rated number one by Champaign homeowners as the window brand that can improve the value of your home. The Pella experts know all about what type of window or door works best with each unique home. And working with the folks at uh, the Pella Window Store is an easy process. They'll be there to help you along the way from picking out the product to the installation. Visit the local showroom to get started, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Learn more about the styles, materials, and options available to you. The Pella team has the knowledge and the experience to help you find the perfect Pella product for your project. 356-6474 is the phone number. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday by appointment, or visit them online at PellaOfChampagne.com. Got an open line the rest of the way. If you'd like to join us, 356-9397. We'll step aside for a moment and be back after this. Got about 10 minutes left here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. If you want to jump in on anything that we haven't discussed, 356-9397 or on anything that we have discussed. The um, NFL playoffs 
resume tomorrow down to the final four, Tampa Bay and Green Bay. Who you like there? Are you going with the home team in both these? Well, I think uh, in the cold weather, I would go with Green Bay over, over a team from Florida. <laughs> Maybe just because of the weather. But yeah, but that team from Florida has Tom Brady. I understand that. <laughs> I understand. Really good. He's the greatest of all time. But I just I think that this is a game that Green Bay will win. I like their defense, and I also like the fact that they've shown the ability to run the football. And I thought the running of the football, when you can get a team a little bit off balance for uh, for Rodgers, then you've really accomplished something because you know he's going to complete passes. But if you can run two, that gives you a one-two punch. I like the Buffalo team in that second game. I don't know that I like him to win, but I like the way they play. And, yep. I, and something deep down inside would like for – inside of me would like to see Buffalo someday win a Super Bowl after after I always finishing wonder when we get to this point in the season what the can what the health of the players is like right. because you know by this time a lot of guys are pretty banged up I don't know if Buffalo's in in, type, in in shape to do that but I'd have to go with Kansas City they've decided that they're they're going to use their quarterback even though he got a concussion last week and that's a that's a lot of talk about whether that's appropriate but you know, the doctors are making the decision, so you got to go with it. Yep, the coach just sits back and does what the doctors say. Phone lines are open if you'd like to join us. Hey, Joe in Champaign is with us. Hey, Joe. Hi, Steve. Hi, Lauren. Good morning. Um, I wanted to call to add to the chorus of uh, congratulations to you, Lauren, on oh, the Hall of Fame. Well, yeah, it, and, it, it, um, was fun. it was a fun phone call, I'll tell you that. Yeah, it hasn't well, been, it hasn't been formally uh, done yet. I haven't, I haven't received anything official yet. I, they said maybe this next week, but uh, but I really appreciate Malcolm Ryan calling me and, and telling me because he's been a good friend for a lot of years. Well, and I think the check's in the mail on that one. Mm-hmm. I think it is. I'm just and glad. The other uh, thing I'm, I wanted to. I hope it's not like any of Kelly's checks, though. They never arrive. I'm glad Lauren didn't <laughs> hang up on him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The other thing I wanted to mention is that, uh, or uh, note that there's a distinguishing fact about being honored by your professional peers. Uh, that that thing takes um, uh, a lot of years of work and hard work, and I'm sure that sometimes a guy thinks that uh, he was wondering if anybody's watching. Uh, but to be honored by your professional uh, peers for uh, your work, I think is is really good. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You bet. Thanks, Joe, Bye-bye. for the call. Still got time to get in if you'd like. 356-9397 is the number at 1052. Alana I Saturday Sports Talk. A couple other notes that caught my eye in uh, recent days. Phil Mickelson has played, going into yesterday, played 2,200 even, 2,200 rounds uh, on the PGA Tour. Okay. He did something yesterday that he had never done. What did he do? Shot 72, which is not great. Yeah. He made 18 pars. Oh, really? He had never had a round where he made 18 pars. He probably never had a round where he didn't get a birdie. Exactly. <laughs> or an eagle or whatever, or a bogey or whatever. But just kind of a ho-hum uh, 72. Have you ever done that? I, I did it for nine holes once. I've done it for like 12 or 13. Have you? But uh, couldn't bring it through down the stretch. I did it on a day that I was visiting. Uh, I was going up north to play uh, in a match. And uh, 
I decided to play that morning. I, had, I, I wanted to practice at, at Savoy, so I played nine holes at Savoy and made pars on all nine holes. And I think my first par up in Chicago was like on the 11th <laughs> hole. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't hit it after I got up there. But did you ever play a round of golf where you you went out to only play nine holes and you were doing so well that you yes you had to keep going? Yes, sir. <laughs> well, you know, I really got somewhere to be, but I can't quit now. <laughs> I may quit now. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, I know you're keeping track of this subconsciously, but I have played two rounds of golf in January now. So okay, and tell me how many months in a row you've played now? Well, since my shoulder surgery, it's this will be my thirty-first month. 31st month. In a row that I've played some golf. I didn't say I was smart. All I've got to tell you is that Trigger was out and it was yesterday. <laughs> Trigger was out yesterday in the ice. We'll talk about Jeff Trigger. <laughs> On the ice. Former Illini football player, former He's my coach. hero, boy. He, he doesn't give up easy. He's got golf. He's got 4,000 golf balls in the trunk of his car yeah. if you ever need it. Well, he had to chip the ice to find <laughs> any yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> you had a good comment uh, to a little uh, text flurry there. Should I be worried about Trigger? And uh, Joe Thompson responded, way too late for that. <laughs> but he's out there a lot. And a lot of people go out there. I, I played Thursday, and they had over 100 players out there Thursday. Oh, it wasn't bad. Right? It wasn't terrible. It was a little breezy, but the sun was out. But uh, some other people, even on cold days like this, they'll go down there and, and walk walk the cart paths out there well, just to, to walk. Well, there are people walk all over the place, yep. so there's nothing wrong with that. you got to walk. If I'm going to walk a golf course, I'm taking some clubs with me. <laughs> at least... Uh, the only trouble is you have to carry them. Yeah, at least... Uh, well, I've got a push cart, so you can you can do that. It, it wasn't bad. 10.55, need to take one final break on uh, this edition of the show. We'll do that and be back with more after this. Moving up on the 11 o'clock here on Fighting Illini, not game day, not quite, no game day today. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. And speaking of Illinois basketball, the uh, next game as we know it, Lauren, and I say that because yeah, I'm you, still hopeful. you never know that something might change. I had a suggestion that um, didn't uh, fall on welcoming ears, but I didn't really make it to anybody really, but I thought... When Illinois was trying to schedule a non-conference game, I said, "Why not just play Iowa today?" Iowa played Thursday night. Mm-hmm. I, I'm hoping we can get a game Monday or Tuesday. But yeah, I, I, you know, I. It sounded like we almost had a, a, a game scheduled the other day. You tell me about that. You you were kind of on the inside on that. They did, and they had the contract faxed to the other school. Yeah. And what if, happened? I don't know what happened, but it didn't come back to suit somebody. Okay. So yeah, it was. Pretty close to being a done deal, but it, and that would have been with uh, Tarleton State as a team they were talking to that is coached by Billy Gillespie. Yeah, Billy Clyde. But uh, and then they're in their first season as a Division One school. Mm-hmm. But uh, right now, the next game for Iowa is also the Illinois game. They had a game uh, tomorrow against Nebraska, and I wonder if Nebraska is ever going to play again this season. They've been they've been out a lot, but both those teams now are just sitting for. Eight, yeah, nine, you know, ten days. Hoping, what, I don't know what, this, what you can do because the TV is involved in it. Yep. But you could move the Illinois-Iowa game up, uh, you know, and, and then maybe that, then that create openings for both teams to play somebody else a week later, yep. four days later. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see what happens between now and then. If not, that game is scheduled for next 
Friday night, 8 o'clock at the State Farm Center. Congratulations again, Mr. Tate, on Hall of Fame honors from the U.S. Basketball Writers. Thanks to Martin O'Donnell, Tim O'Halloran, Edgy Tim, George McDonald, the new wide receivers coach for Illinois, and Joe Henriksen from City Suburban Hoops Report. Illinois Volleyball coming up today at noon. 11.45 is the uh, pregame show start with Tim Dipman right here on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. This is Steve Kelly. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Blake Landa for his help as well. Have a good weekend, everybody.